0: Hello, I'm Natalie from Genealogy Stories and welcome to Twice Removed, the show where we talk about everything history related. I'm really excited to announce my guest today, Helen Tovey, or the editor of Family Tree magazine and avid genealogist. Hi Helen, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here as well. It's, yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> I was hoping today you could tell us a little bit about your own um, family history and um, the question I normally start with is, is what made you start tracing your family tree? Well, that
1: is a really good question. I think I was really lucky because when I was a teenager then my dad gave me a family tree and it was on a bit of graph paper and it would written down some really rudimentary names and he had always been curious about his family because back in 1967 he had been just browsing through the newspaper just the really the newspaper of the day and he'd seen this man with a name nearly the same as his name And his name's very unusual it's um William Spencer Dwerry House Burke and Dwerry House is rare okay so this guy was I would William Henry Dwerry House Burke and he was like wait a minute they're just you know, there's got to be who is this strange man and um so he went back and talked to his own dad and said, I've just found this guy in the paper, you know, called William Hen- Henry Dorrie House, but nearly the same as my name, who is he? Which point everything started unraveling because that was my my dad's dad's dad, who had allegedly died just after the First World War of war wounds, but clearly he hadn't. He'd gone AWOL for the next however many decades, five, five decades, yeah, um, until 1967. So, obviously, that begs a lot of questions. Um, and then once you start piecing it all together, then you just can't stop. And so ever since then, it's always kind of been in the background. And I, as a teenager, I'm probably going to ravel too long, as a teenager, I didn't realise I was doing family history. We didn't call it family history. We just were piecing together the past. I don't think we ever called it a phrase, family history. We might call it a family tree, but we never called it family history. So I used to write to these old great aunts and cousins of my great aunts and, um, and just write to them and say, can you tell me about the olden days? Can you send me a postcard, whatever? And so they would send me postcards from like 1902. They go, oh, I've got this old postcard at the back of the drawer and send me this random old stuff, which I just thought was from the olden days. And I never thought it was family history. Anyway, then I did history at uni. And then I um, eventually started working on practical family history in Family Tree Magazine. And then I realized it was called Family History. And I kind of, it was only then I realised it was family history. It's so strange, isn't it?
0: No, I know. I, I do know what you mean. I think you just think you're exploring your past. I don't think you you realise that actually you are delving into actual history sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I was like you. I started off quite young as a teenager. So I think we were, we were lucky. <laughs> but um, those postcards sound amazing. Have you still got them? Yes, um, yes. So your grandfather sounds like quite an interesting character. <laughs> did, did you ever get to meet him? or? no. Um,
1: um, I, I was born in 1972, so just a few years after he died, and um, he'd you know obviously become estranged from my great granny. but and I think I've, I've learned to, well, I think lots of some of my branches of my family, or like on my mum's side, they have such a wealth of family stories that have been passed down. Um, and then you go and research the history of it and you go, oh my goodness, these stories are true and it all fits together just so magically other branches okay no (laughs) you have a few facts which turn out to be have either no bearing on the truth or you're like well I can see how you came to that but that's not really um you know not really an honest interpretation of the facts um so yeah I have lots of lots of different ancestors so he I find his branch very interesting because I've learned a lot about myself researching his branch because there's lots of um fragmented generations there's lots of parents who died young and the kids had a tough start in life um it's been quite a tough branch my dad's 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 line to kind of piece together it's always intriguing
0: do you think when you um when you find those kind of families that have had that kind of fragmentation or difficulties do you can you see how that's influenced future generations and and slowly trickle down definitely
1: definitely I think um I think that's probably the most important bit of family history because um, all of us are rushing on with our lives. Um, sometimes you know people ask you and say, "Are you okay?" or whatever. You you will tell them honestly, "No, I'm not okay. It's all going terribly." Whatever. But on the whole, we all hold it together and we look bright and breezy. But um, all of us in phases of our life have difficult phases, and so I find it quite consoling to. Um, find ancestor branches like this because I'm like you had really tough times you had difficult things to deal with parents who ran away parents who died young parents who just weren't that good at being parents Um, (laughs) you know not really like diligent Um, but still you kind of be royal with the survivors each generation who manages to carry on with the survivors right from you know 50,000 years ago when we first ste- stepped out of Africa so I love it I love finding in a horrible way I love finding these stories and it, I def- definitely feel compassionate towards his ancestors like when I was younger I didn't um I was much more like oh my god I found such a cool gory story and now I feel my heart goes out to them um and I also feel consoled by them because I'm like oh you know your life wasn't perfect my life's not perfect it's just life and none of us are living our life to be judged like in 50 years time we don't take actions today and go oh my descendant will just love reading this about me you don't live your life like that do you no, it happens
0: yeah no I agree and like quite often when I'm having a difficult time I'll tend to think well my great-grand had to get on with this or you know or she survived so so will I this this too shall pass kind of thing I think it kind of definitely definitely, definitely. helps you realize that nothing lasts forever and uh, one difficult time you know something completely different can be just around the corner and you just don't know so it's so yeah can the, the the negative can help you feel positive in a, in a strange way definitely yeah
1: makes you feel <laughs> resilient and like you can be resourceful let's so, I and lots of people say that don't they that our ancestors are really inspiring um they are our roots aren't they they kind of give you that strength and stuff
0: definitely I mean and do you have any it doesn't necessarily have to be an inspiring story it could be funny but do you have any favorite stories you'd be happy to share about your ancestors
1: I guess it's favorite because I heard it when I first heard it when I was probably about six so I was very little and my mum this is one of the stories on my mum's side she always used to say that her ancestor invented the roundabout like as in the the one to go not the fun circus one but the one literally to keep traffic from bashing into each other and so and as a kid you're like oh cool that's a really important ancestor to invent around anyway decades roll on and i was i'm looking for my liverpool ancestors and i came across this guy one of those people whose parents died young um i think by the time he was about seven he was an orphan anyway he um transformed his life around ended up living in liverpool as a saddler and outside his shop um too many um people were getting run over so he piled up this big pile of earth outside his saddler shop in liverpool stuck a lamp post on the top of it and um and it was his name was john hastings and it became known as the hastings safety lamp and he got given a certificate by liverpool council his portraits in a museum in liverpool and up until the second world war they had these hastings safety lamps all around liverpool but then obviously they got melted down for the war effort so this is um quite amazing because so my mum just had she literally just said oh one of your ancestors invented the um roundabout she didn't know his name or anything I researched it and I was like oh my god it's actually true I mean obviously there would have been it's one of those inventions that I bet happened in loads of cities simultaneously as Victorian cities got more and more busy yeah more and more traffic but he invented the ones in Liverpool anyway
0: I love it's that cool, not it just goes to show how amazingly random family <laughs> is <laughs> yeah and he was
1: probably just thinking um you could know, just imagine if somebody kept having a crash outside your house, you would have a bollard, or you would, or you would talk to the council and say, "Can you put a chicane in?" And he was just doing the Victorian equivalent—just get a shovel and pile up the earth and stick a lamppost on
0: top. I love that he was obviously somebody that was quite proactive, though, because you know his neighbours didn't do it; he did it. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's one of the reasons I love him is his obituary, which I found in the paper as well, um, and it said he died when he was eighty-one, um, shortly after his birthday. And in his last birthday, he still had loads of neighbors, and was something we're all gonna really relate to at the moment. He had loads of neighbors and friends coming round um, you know, to wish him well. And um he was it said in the obituary that he gave lots of money to um, widows and orphans, which is one of those echo things, you know, when you get he was an orphan, so he would have known firsthand how important it was that you know, just little bits of money here and there giving it out. So he kind of paid back his good fortune with something which really resonated in his own life and I love those echoes you get through time Mm. and lives
0: yeah yeah that's lovely I am I love the way um stories pass down families as well so you know nobody could remember his name or you know any any other you know didn't remember that he was an orphan but they they just remembered that he was this person that 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 made a roundabout yeah Um, yeah it's so funny what what kind of sticks in people's minds you know and 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 passes down and i don't know about you but i've met distant cousins through tracing my family tree and sometimes they'll have the same nugget of a story that's been passed down their line about your shared ancestors and you yeah. think wow, oh, that's that's passed down like all the siblings and then the siblings have passed that little nugget of a story and it's got diluted and added to and, and yeah. It's changed, yeah got bits wrong and yeah but it's yeah I always find that quite amazing yeah
1: and I, I think you're right talking to those um wider relations like I haven't had any of that fortune but I have talking to my dad's sisters like different people listen to different ancestor stories don't they so My aunts, um, you know, they just picked up different stories from listening to the generations before them than my dad listened to, just because we've all got different interests. He would be really interested in, you know, the men who served in the war, and my aunts were really interested in the women. And so, i you know, I learnt learnt more, I guess, about my great granny, you know, just hearing stories from my aunts, yeah.
0: And do you think, oh, it's a really tough one, but do you think you've got a a favourite ancestor? Um, Or or somebody you wish you could have met?
1: Well, well, oh, what a, qu- that is a really tough question. I know. <laughs> there's a few. <laughs> there's, a,
0: yeah, there's a few, <laughs> one
1: would be the, the wife of, um, the wife of the guy who was said to have died at the end of the First World War. So that's my great granny. So I did actually meet her and she died when I was 11. And I always felt really um, close to her and really fond of her. And and I only would see her probably once a year. we got to Scotland we'd mid, um, See her, and I always had to. She had lived in a little tiny flat, I think it had just like one one bedroom and one living room. Me and my brothers always told me be really, really quiet, don't be annoying. So I didn't, it wasn't like I had masses of time to spend with her, and not even necessarily really quality time, but I really loved her. Like, you know, when you really feel like a I like, I get you, I like you, yeah? yeah. So I would like to have known her later into my life, um, just so I could have talked to her more, um, and then. I guess some of the other people who I'd like to meet would be the people who are my brick walls. Say, okay, come on then, so what actually happened? So um, so I'm trying to find, I'm, I'm stuck in the kind of middle of the 1700s on this McLaren line and um, on the family tree, like I, I've only got one of these Janets, but the family tree which everyone seems to be sharing on Ancestry has two Janet McLarens, which are sisters. And I'm just like, oh, I just think that's unlikely. So if one of them died as a baby, that makes sense. I don't know what you think, Natalie, but this is two Janet McLaren's who are sisters born two years apart who die um both in their one dies in about 1850, one dies in about 1860. So they're living
0: a long time. And it just feels implausible to have two Janet. It Janets. does What's seem a little bit unlikely, but I have come across have they got the have they got any middle names? One's got an M. Yeah. See, I, I have come across um not with a name like Janet but like with something like Mary like normally more more Catholic families where they've they've named all their children um Mary but then they've given them a middle name so like Mary Catherine Uh, and I've had it a couple of times where yeah sort of 1700 there's been like two Johns born and the only thing I can think of sometimes is that one of them was ill so by the time yeah. the sec when the second one was being born, they thought the first one might not survive. So they, yeah. they they yeah. took a chance and called them the same name. It's I I, d- I would yeah. say it's rare. It would it would definitely yeah. flag a red warning up to me to to Yeah.
1: It's flagging a warning up to me. So I'd love to meet them to try and untangle this. I kind of really hope that they have just got a crazy naming pattern because I want the tree to be true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just feeling worried you know and you know when you can't overlook the things you've got to yeah. get to the bottom of it
0: no yeah. especially if they haven't named any other children along the same pattern either like they haven't got two sons also called John <laughs> so not think, not well, I found Janet and Janet and not yeah. have you had one that you've have you got one that you can think of that you've um, managed to smash through that gave you particular joy you No, know, there are any I don't know
1: anything that DNA solved or anything like that I just um no I mean this this Janet one is one that's actually thrown up by DNA so there's lots of DNA corroborating stuff but I'm just not sure that the names are right I think we've all got in a muddle with our names on the trees yeah but yeah. um the only well the, yeah I haven't really had much I'm really bad at solving brick walls and um I have got a lot of them and a couple of years ago I started a little notebook for each of my brick walls and I was like, right, I'm going to solve you. But I had about 10 or 11, and clearly they're not brick walls. If I was better at research, some of them are going to be solved, but I haven't solved them yet. There was a really cool one, which um, Mary Evans solved for me. Um, And she managed to find evidence which traced our family back to um, Elfin and Roscommon. And she actually found a townland in Ireland, which is um, Tansyfield. Um, So that was really exciting this is, what, again, one of those stories. So my dad had always had this thing that um, we came from Roscommon, um, like one of the branches, but he never had any evidence, but it was like this handed down memory. Oh, we come from Roscommon, we come from Roscommon. And this is over uh, like 180 year memory, which, yeah. So it's an old, old memory. But anyway, when she did the research and um, actually found the townland, and it was Roscommon, my dad was just so, like, you know, when you just melt, you go, yes, I just knew this was true and yeah.
0: So
1: yeah, yeah so but I can't take any credit for that, but it's a really, it was a really special feeling, definitely,
0: yeah. yeah. no, I mean, I, I have, I still have a lot of brick walls in my, my tree, despite, you know, researching other people's, um, some of them are just, I haven't had the chance to go to the archive to have a dig around. And then others are mostly on my Welsh side where literally everybody in the same town is called the same name and yeah. And, I, and I'm i always a bit, I don't know about you, but I'm always a bit torn between spending time trying to um, break down a brick wall to go further back and actually just spending time getting to know my ancestors better. So I, I tend to focus less on going back as far as possible and much more on collecting stories. Um, yeah but I know, I know everybody's different for some people trying to break break down that brick wall is, is what they love. And that's the real challenge. And they really get into that. And I do enjoy that, but I, I probably enjoy trawling through newspapers more.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and sometimes the brick wall isn't necessarily to make you go further back. It's trying to anchor um, something that you found. So like, we've got this um, on one of our lines, this guy, and I've forgotten his first name, but it's John or James. But anyway, I think it's, I think it's James McPherson and I think his dad's John McPherson and he was born in France in 1818 and his dad was in the army so so we've actually got the family going further back but what we wanted to do was try and pin down more about where he was born in France and why he was born in France so then I ended up um spending a few weeks of my spare time you know every moment you get just trying to piece it together and um and so he, his dad didn't serve at um Waterloo but I've Was tracing um, the regiment museum, which has gone right off my head. I don't know what it was, but uh, tracing the army of occupation um, in France after um, after the Battle of Waterloo. And obviously, you know about the army of occupation after the Second World War and how they they divvied up Germany into all those different American, Russian, French, British sectors. I'd never thought about there being an army of occupation after um, the Battle of Waterloo, but there was. And so, um, so I've traced the British regiments and the towns that they. were based at and the town that he this little baby was born at it was a um, British army of occupation town so I'm like oh it's all piecing together it does kind of fit but so that wasn't a, it was a brick wall for me to try and resolve why he was born there and when you know not when I knew when but why and you know, get more evidence around that
0: yeah that makes sense and I I I partic- I agree I particularly like that kind of brick wall there's it. it's not yeah it's it's research hurdles <laughs>
1: And, yeah. and just to satisfy yourself because they they're kind of they're not i've never seen things pointless but they're not getting your tree any further back and they're not finding out any more people but I mean, that's actually what you said is finding out more about the people that you've already found isn't it
0: yeah i think i think i don't know about you but i i kind of need um as much detail as possible because the more the more detail you have about the person the more connected i feel to them and the yeah. more interested in them i feel but um I also like to use them as a, as a way of exploring other history so like like you were just saying you ended up learning about what happened after the battle of waterloo and the the army occupying france and no it's not the sort of thing that you would um necessarily you know pick up a book on or no never and learn but yeah these random facts um, <clears throat> so where were your where, where are most of your ancestors from are you scattered about all over the place or have you got um particular groupings or so um
1: f- very british british and irish which my daughters when they took their dna tests um they're in their early 20s now and they were uh, bitterly disappointed about how un um <laughs> multinational we were um so very much british um really Scottish, I've got some Orcadian ancestors, and I was really excited when I found those. And those, again, were ancestors which I hadn't had any family stories passed down. And I was like, we have ancestors um, from Orkney and nobody's told me. I'm like, I think this is so exciting. I would have expected this to be the top of the stories to pass down. Um, And they were fishermen, um, uh, and what else have I got? Yeah, so mainly Scotland, um, and then north of England, um, Lancashire and Yorkshire and Ireland. And then eventually with the First World War, then um, people start coming down south um, and living around London um, and Sussex. But so it's really funny because I would never feel if I, I'd feel like I was British or English and I've, my dad was in the army so I've grown up all over, but I have never lived in the north of England. I can live near Grantham now, and that feels north to me. So somebody in the north will laugh and go, "Grantham, it's not north." But that feels—that's the north, furthest north I've ever lived.
0: No, yeah. I mean, I'm exactly the same. I'm a real southern fairy.
1: So. It's only a few generations, you go. Wait a minute, I'm not. I'm, I'm southern <laughs> I northern. know. Yeah.
0: It's funny. My my granddad was so my my um my mum's mum is is Welsh and and quite proud of being Welsh. And my, uh, her husband, my granddad always said that he was a Yorkshireman and used to, um, you know, joke about her Welshness and Pope Fallon and all these kind of things. And, you know, um, and then we we traced his family tree and found out that like, you know, two generations back, he was from like deep North Wales. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Um, yeah. and he's probably more Welsh than my nan is, right? Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, do you feel drawn to any particular place so you mentioned London I love researching my London ancestors but um yeah do you, do you have any particular place that all, you always seem to end up going back to research or
1: I do I do love my Scottish ancestors and um I haven't been to Scotland for a few years but um every time I go to Scotland literally I just get there and I I, I feel like a crazy tourist who's just Um, completely besotted but I I get shivers up my arms I absolutely love it and there's that thing isn't there there's epigenetics where your cells can hold memories and I'm like well I'm no scientist and I I don't want to sound an idiot but I'm my body seems to kind of feel um like it's home
0: I love that no I, I only recently learned about epigenetics and I I found that fascinating and I I could totally see how it to me it makes totally Total sense that if you were, you know, really anxious when you were pregnant because you were, you know, in fear for your life or, um, you know, something really serious, how that trauma could 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 pass down in different ways. I've, I've read about it in um, uh, a book by Ruby Wax, and it was yes. fascinating because she was talking about her family history in the book. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look up what it is now to put it in here. <laughs> um, so that's your favourite place. Do you have a favourite time period at all?
1: Yeah, the 1700s. So, you know, when, um, so Peterborough um, used to have this fantastic um, thing called the Peterborough Heritage Festival and lots of places do it. And so, but in Peterborough, they would have loads of people all dressed up from different eras um, and they would make their own costumes, have their own, you know, all their tools, their sleeping equipment, cooking equipment, everything else. And I'd love wandering around it and just chatting to everybody. And, um, I always felt like if I could be somebody, then I would be an international textile seller in the mid 1700s, and I would be, um, I'd be definitely a trading woman, and I would have my fantastic outfit. I would have furs from Russia. I'd be travelling over, um, over to India to buy the cottons and checking out all the lovely prints, and that would be me.
0: I love that. So you'd so very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> i think i would be pretty wealthy i think it'd be really hard working as well though yeah i i don't think i'd yeah. want to live in the past unless i was quite wealthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah because um, yeah. i think the poor had it you know very hard um so uh, w- what is it about the 1700s then that, that you that you love what what about that period is um I, well they're
1: seriously entrepreneurial aren't they and and i i mean it's definitely got the downsides like Because it's the same nowadays. So they make uh, if you have British ancestors in the 1700s, there's a wealth of opportunity there, and there's that changing cusp of pace of time from you know us all stuck at home on our manorial land not that we own them, but if we were a tenant there or whatever, and then um, suddenly you know the world just the cogs just rapidly change, and there's lots of people who do have lots of opportunities and lots of. Um, things happen but it is at the expense of other people's lives other people's cultures so I definitely feel um, you can't ignore that even about your ancestors like I've got an ancestor who I found who um, was in the army in the early 1800s and he um, put down a slave riot which I always find just horrendous because um, that's a and so he's he would have been beating slaves wouldn't he if he's a soldier he's going to have he's not just going to go oh please can you get back to the plantation now he's going to have been doing pretty brutal things um so I don't want to excuse him I do do also think like pretty much he was just a soldier in the infantry he wasn't an officer so the British army infantry that's always drawn from people who are um infantry are tough like they you know they come from poor backgrounds so he he wouldn't have come from a peachy existence back in um well it was actually Ireland but England or Ireland any of the same things so it's complex but I find it I find it interesting but it's not easy
0: no I do I I have I have an ancestor I've talked about this before but I have an ancestor that I found that had um uh was in in Put on, put on a local um, production local local theater production and in incomplete blackface in the 1920s mm. and it was really mm. uncomfortable really uncomfortable yeah. to find but I, I I've tried to talk about it because I don't think you can ignore it and I think uh, I think you have to kind of accept that our ancestors were racist you know um, yeah but that doesn't necessarily mean they were awful people through and through it just um yeah it's something that hopefully we hopefully we've learned from or we continue to learn from. I think it's definitely a continuing learning thing, whether it yeah. Yeah, I think I think family history can be quite. It, it can confront you like that. Actually, it can. There are times where tracing the past can make you feel quite uncomfortable. Definitely. Uh, uh, and, and in some ways, that's part of what makes it interesting as well. I think if it was all sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, it probably wouldn't be as interesting.
1: No, uh, I, I do. I do think you're right, and it makes makes us. It makes you think about. Is how people tick and how people interact and sometimes with that distance of time you can um, you can you know, could be a, find it abhor- abhorrent what people have done in the past but th- I think it's we've got to think about what we do today because people in the future will probably judge lots of things that we do and I think they're pretty bad like whether it's the environment or I'm not a vegetarian but maybe eating meat there's lots of things which they people might be find revolting about us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it it, it would be, qu- it's quite hard to explain to your descendants why things were a certain way. Like, I, I talk about um, women's rights, for example, and how, yeah. how much that's changed. I mean, even talking to my mum, she's, you know, you notice the massive difference between somebody who was born in 1960s and somebody who was born uh, like me in, <laughs> in uh, you know, sometime in the early 80s. Um, there is a big change. And then again, you know, I've got three daughters, so you can see, can see how their their lives and, and the things will be different um but yeah it's hard to explain but that's just the way think, how things were you know yeah. Um, yeah yeah i agree
1: i've got this lovely old sewing machine and it's um came out of the singer factory in 1947 and my great granny bought it and just in the last week my daughter who's on lockdown with us she started using it and she's like wow this was my great great granny's sewing machine and um what I love about it because my great granny and her husband, they were very orderly. Like he was an engineer in the Royal Engineers in the First World War, and he's very like dapper and neat. Um, he um he got medals for being neat and tidy and going out and mending the barbed wire, and he's this a real like, attention to detail guy. And anyway, the sewing machine has still got the little manual which it came with back in 1947 and all the little box of tools. And the manual um says it has all these dinky little 1940s women looking very tidy with their little tight little apron and the perfect curls and everything but the instructions are get your screwdriver get your oil do this do that and the assumption even though it's um after the second world war the assumption is that as a woman you're completely capable of using a screwdriver using an oil can fixing your own sewing machine which um i love that because that's not necessarily the kind of 1950s view you know of like really um separated gender roles whereas life is more complex and history is more complex than we think so even just reading a little singer sewing manual you get huge insights into how people actually ticked and what they were actually expected to do
0: that is a brilliant example because I think yeah I think you do tend to think it was completely black and white and and it, and it really yeah. isn't uh, you know in yeah. some ways women were expected to do far more than they are they are now um, yeah. yeah that's really interesting Talking about the, the the way things have changed, do you think the um, pandemic is gonna change the way that we do family history in the future or influence it at all? Or do you think things will go back to, to, to normal afterwards?
1: Um, well, you know, I really hope they don't go back to normal. Like, I think hope we could revive um, some of the things that we did, definitely. Like us people meeting each other in person is great and archives being able to be open would be great. I think almost archives is the bigger tragedy than um, us not being able to meet each other in person because like the zoom that's just revolutionized it for all of us to be able to contact each other um, just whether it's one-to-one chats or family history society meetings or people having online events and um, in a way things are more accessible if you want to go to a, a, a kind of a conference in Australia and how many people are lucky enough to actually travel around the world and go to genealogy conferences on the other side of the world it's few and far between whereas now um we can join in wherever so that's fantastic whereas um archives being shut if their if their stuff isn't digitized then it just comes to a grinding halt so that's the saddest more woeful thing like we need to make sure that there's enough funding for archives and um you know enough procedures in place that we can, they can open safely that would be my biggest fear for the future is that archives um i' I'm, I'm, I'm sure genealogists are so resourceful like can you, if you think of any other hobby where quite aside from the pandemic like genealogists as soon as they're always looking on how can we make this work for us how can we do something like no other hobby i, do, I can't think of a single other hobby which is taken up the web and used it in so many diverse ways and we just casually go oh there's billions of records here there's millions of records there and um I, I like knitting as well and they might go we've got hundreds of thousands of knitting patterns I'm like "That's not millions is it it's not like genealogies." is
0: no I agree and I think the way in which um the way in which we use records as well so um you know combining I'm thinking of things like um the, the railway project mm-hmm. um, uh which I will insert here <laughs> um where you know they've got genealogists to transcribe the railway accident um the railway accidents and then you know the university of portsmouth has then put those online for everybody to see and then other people have gone off and blogged about some of the people that they found and that that wasn't necessarily part of their original you know remit their remit is they want to look at the way health and safety has changed in the workplace in, in railways and actually it's evolved into this really holistic project that that that's um really vibrant and full of stories and and yeah and and combines that with the statistics so no idea i agree <laughs> best hobby ever yeah <laughs>
1: which, not, a biased at all.
0: <laughs> no, not at all same slightly <laughs> which kind of that leads me to my my last question really really well um and this is something i always ask everybody at the end um if somebody was sitting on the fence saying, oh, I'm not sure whether to trace my family history or not, you know, my ancestors were probably quite boring. I don't, you know, I don't, we don't really have many stories. Um, what would you what would you say to them?
1: Um, I would probably say that I would find out a bit about them because literally people don't you only need to have a few when you watch somebody who hasn't done any family history, I love it because you feel so clever as well. So you show them a <laughs> census document or um, a birth certificate or something like that. And when, when somebody, it's not so sound patronising, but it's just like that exciting first spark. When you first or you watch somebody first looking at a census, census document, we all would have been the same when we all looked at our first census. They can't read the writing. They have no idea what is happening on this page. And then, and you see it on Who Do You Think You Are, and people do it on the telly. And they read across, and suddenly the <coughs> peddies start dropping, and they um, they can they decipher a name, and then they see an occupation. Then they might see another occupation down the page, and they're suddenly almost like transported back in time. And they wait, they're like, wait a moment, I'm in Victorian wherever, Victorian Birmingham, and they can see that they're in the jewelry quarter because there's all these jewelry occupations or whatever, and they it doesn't take much. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't ever try and persuade someone, say, oh, it's really interesting. I'd go, let's find a document. And then I, the, the family issue will work its own magic, I reckon.
0: I love that. I think that's brilliant. That's a really different answer as well from some of the ones I've had before. So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this video, don't forget to hit subscribe or visit me at www.genealogystories.co.uk.